You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You've been discussing, you and Patty, for a long time now, uh, a couple of years, about... um, how concussion in many sports around the world is changing the face of sport and it's reached uh, uh, to a number of sports. Cricket we saw, as we discussed, with um, Manus Labuschagne getting his start in test career, coming in as a concussion sub for Steve Smith and Osman hit in the head uh, in Adelaide a couple of weeks ago in the test against the West Indies. Of course, our uh, really physical sports, rugby league, rugby union, AFL in this country, are also being affected. But there's also new concussion guidelines for junior and community community sport, but recommend athletes wait three weeks before resuming competitive contact action. Now, a um, very good friend of SEN is Dr. Peter Larkins, who is a expert in the area of sports medicine, and he joins us this morning. Dr. Larkins, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Nice to talk with you again. This is a major, major issue, isn't it? Concussion in sport and, and how it's going to change the landca- landscape of sport uh, in years to come. Yeah, look, I think I'm sick of hearing myself say it. I think it's the biggest challenge facing sport at the moment. We always talk about knee injuries and hamstring and you know, getting injuries and long-term effects of injuries in, in, in athletes and players. But, but you know, if we look at the, the, the thing that's dominating the medical world is discussion about the brain and the long-term consequences of you know, how many concussions are you allowed to have and how long does it take to get over a concussion, how long is a piece of string conversation in a lot of conversations. So, you know, but certainly now in terms of the younger brains, the younger athletes community and, and the uh, amateur athletes, they do not have access to the same degree of sophisticated medical supervision, diagnostic care, let alone management care that the professional sports teams do. And so it's a real dilemma in the community because there's far more concussions every weekend, guys, happening around the community grounds in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, than they are in the, in the rugby league or the AFL. And so... Mm. Trying to work out what's the time frame and what's safe has really been a dilemma for the medical world, as it is for the sporting associations. Well, take it right back, Pete. Can you do it for us? What is concussion? Well, concussion, when, when you and I started playing sport heels, was just considered to be a little bit ding in the head. It was a transient thing where the lights went out or you just were dizzy for a while and not didn't have to be unconscious and was considered to be a temporary electrical fault with no brain consequence. Now the, the definition has emerged over the last 10 years where it's it's a minor traumatic brain injury but can have long-term um, brain information processing problems, process as in memory and, and as in um, you know cognitive things to do. So it, it's a brain injury rather than just a temporary electrical thing. And the, the ability to recover from it measured in terms of objective things like take a picture of your brain and say, now you're better, that, that technology has not been there. And we're seeing concussion now evolve heels into a situation where it can have behaviour issues longer term, even in someone who's just had one bad one, not mm. 10. 
And so it's so variable that we, I think, you know, the, the ability to understand how the brain works is something that's still way behind in the science world. And so we're looking at concussion now as a significant injury, a bit like we would a, you know, a major knee injury with long-term life consequences in some people. Well, that leads to the question I was going to ask, Doc, the, the fact that we don't know a lot, do we? we we're learning more daily. No. There's still so much to learn. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've sort of used the analogy, if we're looking at the timeline in history, we're in the dark ages still when it comes to the concussion management. We've made so much progress in sports injury management, you know, and I'm again talking about you know muscle recovery and knee reconstructions and shoulder and things like that, and there's incredible um, improvements in orthopedic care. But when it comes to the neurosciences and the brain understanding of, of how brain waves work and, and memory and neurons, we understand the structure of the brain. But in terms of the the actual nuances, there's still a lot to be understood about how we process information and, and how you know, memory works and, and how behaviour works. Um, and we've seen that because the mental health issues have become so prominent in, in the world of sport and, and you know the general community mental health issues, which which have become rampant. So we're trying to find out a little bit about how to measure concussion. I'm obviously diagnosing the easy concussions. When someone gets KO'd and taken off the ground, you know that's concussion. The bloke yep. in the back of the stand can diagnose that. It's the simple ones where you might just get tackled in a rugby or a, or a game where you, or you get bumped heavily and your brain shakes, and then you develop headache or a little bit of fogginess. So these are things that happen in community sport every weekend, as I said, and there's not an expert doctor on the sidelines like there is at NRL or AFL that knows exactly the right questions to ask or the test to do that can take 20 minutes. And so we're going to have this dilemma, I think, with this new conservative rule, which I'm, I'm in, I'm in favour of, guys, because I think you know when we're talking about returning to sport, you want to make sure someone's completely recovered. Now, completely recovered can be no symptoms, which is the patient saying, "I don't have a headache and I'm not tired and I'm sleeping all right." But then there's the objective medical measurement where you might be doing sophisticated testing or brain scan. Now, the country clubs and the junior sports don't have access to that, so. Taking the longer time frame makes sense to me, but there's been incredible backlash in Victoria here just in the last 24 hours, guys, from country associations saying that we have trouble finding enough players to, yes. to field a team in any week as it is. If you're going to now restrict everyone who's got a headache or everyone gets bumped at training, has got to stand out for 21 days. Now, you know, so I understand their position, but we're sort of saying, well, hey, haven't we got to take a you know correct approach? Because look at the litigation that's happening already in sport with certain concussion cases. So it's it's a dilemma for country sports that are shorter players for sure. But we've got to be protecting the brain, don't we agree? Uh, yes, that's that's right. And so, you know, it's it's always been our showpiece, hasn't it? The the old unprotected collisions in Australian sport. Have a look at us. How tough are we? And 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 now it's going to change. Um, it's going to make. Is it going to be attractive enough to keep playing such sports? Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's 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 part of the fabric of the game, of course. We, you know, people love a contest. They love the, you know, the hustle and bustle and the contact and the collision. And you know, the old days, we've cleaned up, you know, the shirt front and the and the yes. so-called, you know, king hit, which is a terrible name, but it's really a coward's punch. We call it these days from you know behind the play hits. But but equally, our game is a contacted collision sport. Whether it's rugby, whether it's you know, it, it, it's it's Aussie rules football. There are other sports like the jockeys have a lot of trouble with concussions. So a lot of this new attitude about the 21 days guys has been driven by the UK system of rugby and, and um, the jockeys because they've got a strong medical system over there and they've always felt that the conservative program needed to be extended. So we're sort of following global trends a little bit with the Institute of Sport and the Junior 
things here. But the issue comes down, there's been, you know, suggestions made that we don't allow tackling in training or we don't allow bumping in training. In the UK, they don't allow heading of the ball in soccer training for under 15 training. So you don't get knocks on the head from the soccer ball. So you can see the whole preparation of an athlete suddenly being changed in terms of their skill development yes. in, in one sense, right? So. But, but is that the right attitude so there's less chances that you're going to get knocks during the week and you, and you save your knocks for the weekend? But I, I find it really difficult to sort of find the balance there because, you know, it's like saying to a, to a player, you're not allowed to kick the football in case you get a sore foot. So they get into a game and they've forgotten how to kick. Yes. So you forget how to tackle. You forget how to um, to deal with bumping. And so it, it's a real balance because you, you're trying to win. I just limit the number of times in a season or the number of times in a career that people are exposed to a hit in the head. And that's reasonable to say, well, let's let's stop that. But also you want to develop the skills and fabric of the game so that people develop the ability to play the sport and not get on the field and be um, be uncoordinated because they're not used to doing it. It's and, a real and, dilemma. Yeah, right? and exposed to real physical. Well, and also we all, uh, we know the benefits of people playing sport and people being in that team environment as well and how important yeah, it is well, for yeah. youngsters to play sport. Yeah, well, that's the other threat I've spoken about a little bit is, you know, there's, 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 I guess, a bit of a threat to parents looking at what sports they're going to allow their kids to play. And they're looking at sports that potentially are now getting some negative publicity because there's a risk. You know, every sport's got a risk of, of getting injured, you know, in terms of the musculoskeletal injury, spraining an ankle or doing a muscle injury. And I guess parents accept that. There's, there's called a voluntary risk when you play. But now it comes to head injury. I guess there's a recruitment risk for certain sports where there's a higher risk that you're going to get a head injury. And parents might be saying, well, I don't want Jack or Jill to play those sports because we're hearing all these problems about, you know, brain health and da-da-da. So yet the, the value of sport is being eroded if people are not playing sport because we've got enough fitness issues in this country. We've got overweight. We've got people that, that are obese. We've got lack of fitness in, in the kids and, and not enough um, school sports. So this whole global health thing or community health thing is affected if people aren't getting recreational sport because I'm a great fan for pushing that. But again, you've got to have a safe sport environment, which is what we're trying to look at here by having, you know, brain injury or head injury in a younger player or an amateur player treated with a bit more conservative, allowing them to recover. But it does raise the issue of who's going to be the person that signs off on them returning. There's a lack of medical resources out there in the community away from the high-level professional sports. There's so much to talk about, Doctor. Yeah, there. and you know. Yeah, I'm sounding pretty negative, aren't I, guys? No. I'm sorry, but but I get look. I'm I'm absolutely in favour, as I said, of having conservative guidelines because when you don't have the medical care, you say, well, we're going to wait a bit longer before Jack or Jill's allowed to go back to that soccer game or back to that rugby game or whatever. And I and I absolutely agree with that. But, you know, and the question is that 21 days is still a best guess number. Let me just make that point. It's not like it's a science behind, oh, it's got to be 21. Yes. Like the 12-day rule that exists in AFL, it's not a rule, it's a guideline, guys. It was a consensus statement, and that's where the AFL was sitting at the moment. Um, but it's not like there's science behind that. It's just they're giving players at least a minimum of a week off. Mm-hmm. If you've got 12 days, you're obviously going to miss next weekend. And this 21-day rule is just an extension of that in the community, because, but it's not like there's a science to say everyone's fixed at 21 days. Some people take longer than that. I really appreciate your time, Doc. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Peter. Okay, guys.